those uh, messages of praise and and uh, seeking after the things of God and Just uh, that's so encouraging when we encourage each other. Uh, if God's doing something in your life, like those shepherds, make sure you tell somebody. I've always thought, you know, God's, I wonder, well, I know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to finally understand all that God did for me during my lifetime because I think there's a lot of times he's done a lot for me that I didn't pay attention that he was working in my life and I just didn't pay attention and didn't get it and I think he sustained a lot of us uh, who knows maybe I shouldn't even be here today were it not for his hand in my life uh, so anyway, it's good to share, good to be here too, good to be with our Captain Schmidt, one of our favorites, even though she needs to take a computer class. But we can do that, we can get her educated on, on operating a computer, but uh, anyway. Um, so you're having your Advent season and going through uh, different ideas and different thoughts, and today we want to talk about love revealed to us and the message in that love revealed to us about forgiveness to forgive and to receive forgiveness the scripture comes to us from Matthew it's one we know it's one we visit every Christmas and we talk about the pieces of the Christmas story like we talked about the shepherds well this is about well, well, let's find out what it's about. It's from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. And it's a wonderful story. This part of the Christmas story. Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. Says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, his mother, so is talking about Jesus. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph her promised husband, being a just and righteous man and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this happened in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which when translated means God with us. We're going to talk about for a minute forgiveness. And I know that sometimes when we talk about forgiveness and we think about forgiveness in our lives, it can kind of stir up some things. Forgiveness sometimes can stir up powerful and positive images or remembrances of when forgiveness in our lives ended up in reconciliation. Because when forgiveness happened, people put things aside for a greater desire to be in relationship with someone. But sometimes we talk about forgiveness and we also get powerful emotions, but they're negative because forgiveness for one reason or another wasn't there. It wasn't received. It wasn't asked for. It wasn't given. So whatever was broken or damaged remained that way. So when you talk about forgiveness and our experience with it, we can have all kinds of ideas and emotions and feelings. The scripture there that I just read tells us of a very important man in the life of Jesus, and that was Joseph. Joseph, as you heard, was betrothed or engaged. To be married, uh, to be married uh, with Mary. And uh, when I read this story, I, I, I always come away. I'm all, I, I like Joseph. He seemed like a good guy. He seemed like a, a right man. I mean, the scripture even says that he was a righteous man. I, I think he was a man to be admired. But he had been engaged to Mary for a long... Now remember that this is another time, another place. And they would have been engaged. It would have been a known thing that they were going to be married for a long time. It would be like an announcement was made. The families got together. These two members of different families are going to come together and marry. The man would go out and begin to prepare his life and the home that they would have eventually. And there would be a period of engagement. But, but it was so important that it's almost as if they were considered married already. He just hadn't had the, the celebration and the dancing. And, and then they go off for, for the rest of their lives as a married couple. So they're, they're not together yet. But they are together as far as everybody else is concerned. And as far as they're concerned, Joseph was, that Mary was the person he was going to spend his life with. And he was already into that. And then this shows up. That Mary is, is somehow pregnant. She's going to have a baby, yet they had not come together yet. Now the law, which 
the Bible tells us Joseph was a righteous man. So that means that he had a wonderful understanding of God's law. And that her having a child before they were come together as man and wife, something must have happened. And it must have been something adulterous. Okay? That's what everybody else would look and say that that was. She was with another person. And that's how she became pregnant. Because she's not yet the wife of Joseph. Now, Joseph, it would have been perfectly right for him to go to the priests and to make his claim to them that she was pregnant and he didn't have anything to do with it, so she has sinned against him and against God, and that she should suffer the, the results of that. In those days... For that crime, that sin, Mary would have been stoned to death. That would have been the, and everybody would have been okay with that, except, of course, Mary's family, and Mary, and, and Joseph. He maybe don't want to be a part of some things you have to be a part of in life, but it just comes your way. But that would have been okay. Every, nobody would have said anything bad about Joseph. But Joseph does something. Jo Joseph does something unexpected. He pauses. And I think in that pause, he shows what kind of man he is. He's a man who lives in, in a right spirit. In a good spirit. He could have hated Mary immediately, right? He could have hated her immediately and took vengeance upon her. And the rest of the world would have said, you're right, Joseph, she did you wrong. But he didn't do that. He didn't go announcing it. He didn't go tell everybody. He kept it to himself. But he was still a righteous man. He said, I still have to, I still have to do, I still have to divorce her. I'm going to do it quietly so she can go and, and we'll just separate this thing and be nice and everything will be okay. I don't like it, but this is the best I can do. You know, I have feelings for Mary. I want her to be well. So I'm going to do it. I love that about Joseph. He could have picked the other way, and everybody would have pat him on the back for being such a righteous man, but he didn't choose that. He chose, rather, to live what I think is in the spirit of forgiveness. How did he do that without having a heart that could let go of things, that could could release it, even though he owned, he could own that, that bad feeling, he could, he could own it and everybody agree with him, but he chose not to own it. He chose not to hate. He chose rather to find a way for it to be okay, as best as it could. I think Joseph lived with a spirit of forgiveness. And so we look at the Bible and then we look at ourselves and we ask ourselves, am I that kind of person? Do I live in a spirit of forgiveness? 
So I ask myself, am I a person who forgives? Am I a person who forgives? Am I really a forgiving person? Some people say they are and some people think they are. But you know what? Some people might be wrong about what they think about themselves. So how do I know if I'm a truly forgiving person? Well, let me use the negative side. Here's some things that might tell you that you're having a hard time being forgiving. Number one, you feel that revenge is a good solution. Okay? Or, you said I forgive, but you still have bad thoughts and feelings toward that other person. Or, even though you've forgiven someone, you would never come to their aid if they needed help. And lastly, you've forgiven, but any chance of reconciliation coming together, well, that's up to the other person. That's not going to be on me. They did me wrong, so they're going to have to come crawling back to me. Right? So if I say I'm a forgiving person and I do all of those things, am I a forgiving person? I don't know. I think I'm struggling a little bit. Jesus came to show and provide a way of forgiveness. That's what he came for. To teach us about the opportunity we have to engage in forgiveness and to know God the Father. There's, if, if you change in your Bible to Matthew 18... Matthew 18, verse 21. Jesus tells a story that instructs us about God's expectations about us and forgiveness. See, God has an idea about forgiveness and us. And we're supposed to be a part of his idea. So let's look at what this scripture says and why we are forgiven. To give. Here, here you have Peter talking to Jesus about forgiveness. And the first thing we learn here is that to forgive and be a forgiving person is not an option. It's not something we get to pick whether we do or not do. Alright? Peter asked Jesus in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus... And asked, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him and let it go? So he's asking Jesus about forgiveness. And he's trying to get some idea about, alright, I know I'm supposed to forgive. But what if they do it again? What do I do then? So he asks him, what do I... My brother sins against me, and I forgive him and let it go. How many times do I have to do this? Up to seven times, Peter says. Now, Jewish law and the custom back then was that you were for, to forgive a person up to three times. And after that third time, it's like three strikes and you're out. Right? The three strike rule. 
We know about that. Heard about that. So that was the deal. You had to forgive, but you only had to do it three times. Once you did it three times, you fulfilled the requirements of the law, and you didn't have to forgive that person anymore. Now Peter here, I think maybe he was trying to impress Jesus about how forgiving he might be. He says, how many times should I forgive? Seven? Peter thinking maybe that might impress Jesus. But Jesus says this, if you look at your scripture there. Jesus says in verse 22, Jesus answered Peter, I say to you, Peter, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. How many is that? I don't even know. That's big math. I can't do that without a computer these days. Well, and you can't do it with a computer either. <laughs> so, 70 times 7, Jesus says. This is a way of him saying, however many times it takes, you are going to be a forgiving person. Now, that's pretty mind-blowing. You're lucky if you get one forgiveness out of me. Maybe twice if I'm an angel. Three times? Uh, I don't know. Three times you, you, you do me bad? I'm pretty convinced you're not my friend. You know. But Jesus says, that's not how it works in the kingdom. That's not how it works in God's heart and mind about forgiveness. Because that's not how God forgives. God doesn't just forgive us once or twice and then that's it. You're done. God's forgiveness remains available to us all the time, all our lives. You know that? I hope you do. Well, let's just say, uh, talking about forgiveness, let's really understand what the Bible, because that's what's the most important. We have an idea of what forgiveness means, I'm sure. Okay? Maybe we've got... But maybe we don't have the right ideas about it. The Bible teaches us about forgiveness. And let me tell you what the Bible describes forgiveness as. Now I'm, going to take, I'm not going to tell, say the scriptures, but I'm going to summarize what it says. Romans 12, 19 says that forgiveness is to resist revenge. Okay? You're owed a debt. That person did you wrong. And you forgive it. You don't claim that right to your revenge. You are able to let it go. That's being forgiving. Also, from 1 Thessalonians 5, to be forgiving is to not return evil for evil. You did me that bad, I'm going to do you that bad, and maybe a little more. I'm going to one-up your bad on me. So that you won't come back at me and do bad again. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Bible tells us don't do that. Luke uh, 6, 25 says this. And this comes from Jesus' teaching. We are, if we're forgiving, we are to wish the offender, the person, maybe let's call them our enemy. We want for them the best. 
I got to tell you, that doesn't occur to me. The first time I understand a person is my enemy is to want the best for them. That doesn't occur to me first. It occurs to me first to protect myself and make sure I got my eyes open with that person. But here Jesus teaches us, no, don't hate. Don't hate. Even though they did you bad, don't hate. You wish the best for them. You want the best for them. Proverbs 24. You're a forgiving person if you truly feel bad about their problems. Somebody who's done you wrong, you don't feel bad if they got something comes up against them. Maybe you didn't have anything to do with it, but they, you know, what goes around comes around. And we like it when that happens to the other person who's against us. Bible tells us don't, do, don't be that way. Matthew 5, 44, you know Jesus said this, pray for your what? Your enemies. Right? How can you be a forgiving person? He says, actually pray for them. And then Romans 12, seek reconciliation you take action don't wait on them if okay they did me bad now I'm gonna sit here and wait if they come to me I'm gonna be ready to forgive them and let it go and be restored and be reconciled with them I'm gonna sit back though I'm not gonna take the initiative I'm not gonna go first <coughs> Bible tells us wrong you be the one you be the one that tries to be reconciled to the one that you're having problems with. Now you can't help what the other person does. You can't be responsible for that. You're not, you're not held responsible for that. But you are responsible for what you do. We are responsible for what we do. That we have to take the step forward and seek reconciliation. And Exodus 23 says that if we're a forgiving person, we will come to our enemy's aid if they are in distress. Wow. Wow. So forgiveness is kind of a big deal, right? I mean, those are some hard things to do. So we say we're a forgiving person, but... Forgiving like the Bible says we have to forgive? Ooh, how do I do that? How can I be that kind of person? Well, it's about, you talked about an attitude of gratitude. Okay, forgiveness is something we do, but it's also about an attitude. I think Joseph had an attitude of forgiveness. It's his, by his example. Forgiveness is an attitude and it's an act. I mean, it's acting out your attitudes. Joseph acted out his attitude of forgiveness. So first, we have to be forgiving if we're going to be counted as God's child, right? 
Secondly, we should forgive because God is forgiving us. Jesus goes on in the parable here that starts at verse 23. Let's hear what that has to say. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the accounting, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But because he could not repay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion, and he released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began choking him, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So this fellow slave fell on his knees and begged him earnestly, Have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling. And he went and had him thrown into prison until he paid his back debt. When his fellow slaves saw what, he, what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they went and reported to their master everything that had taken place. Listen to this. Then his master called him and said, You wicked, contemptible slave, I forgave all that debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? Wow. So you got this servant who owes the master some money. A great amount of money, more than he could possibly ever pay. Huge amount of debt. How is he possibly going to do it? So it's impossible for him to pay. And the master forgives him. And he receives the forgiveness and he goes free. But then he has a chance to do likewise. Just like he was forgiven... He had an opportunity. Somebody that he worked with owed him. Right? And he had a chance. He had just been forgiven a great debt. <coughs> and he had a chance to be forgiving. But he chose not to. That, Jesus points out, is a bad thing. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So that servant should have gone, I mean, it's the right thing, right? You received forgiveness. He had a chance to forgive the next guy, but he didn't do it. So he was willing to receive forgiveness, but he wasn't really willing to give it. This scripture right here in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We've been forgiven by God. <coughs> Therefore, we have no right 
to withhold forgiveness from it to anybody else. If, hey, it's working. <laughs> it's a good tech, technical day. If we are going to partake, if we're going to receive God's forgiveness, then guess what we don't get to do anymore? Withhold forgiveness to somebody else. That's a commandment to us. That's not forgive if you feel like it. Forgive if everything's right. Forgive if they forgive you first or whatever. It just says flatly, forgive just like God forgave you in Christ Jesus. So we're supposed to be like Joseph. We're supposed to live in an attitude of forgiveness. So how do we do that? It's not really a how, it's a where. Because forgiveness is about our heart. It's about our attitude, how we live our lives. Verse 18.35 says this, Forgive your brother from where your heart. Forgive your brother from your heart. Not with our minds. Not just suppressing the hurt. I'm calling that forgiveness. I'm just putting the hurt aside. Or I'm going to bottle up all these bad feelings I have for you. I'm going to control them. I'm not going to let them loose on you. I'm just going to bottle them up on the inside. That's not forgiveness. God's idea of forgiveness is release. To let go. To give up. Somebody does you wrong, you want revenge. You want payback. You want justice. Yet God is telling us something different. He says, a God of love, love revealed. I want you to forgive. I want you to be different than the rest of the world. You will be a forgiving person. And I can tell you how, because I'm going to forgive you your sins. If you believe on my son, if you believe in Jesus, you believe on his sacrifice, he paid for your sins on the cross of Calvary. If you would but believe with him and have faith in him and come to him and seek forgiveness through him for your sins, then you, I want you to be a forgiving person. The forgiving heart says, Though the pain and hurt you cause me is deep, I forgive you. Though you may do this again and again to me, I forgive you. Though I've cried a thousand tears for a thousand hours, I will forgive you. Though the world says, I have every right to hate you, I refuse to hate you. I will love and forgive you. That's what we need to get into our hearts. The right to hate another person has not been given to me by Jesus. He has given me the right to forgive as I have been forgiven. So I don't know about you this morning. When I think about forgiveness. I suddenly take an inventory 
of my life and how things have happened to me. And I wonder this morning, are we harboring any grudges? Do we have any bitterness toward other people? Now, you may be right to have that grudge. You may be absolutely right to have those ill feelings toward that person because they really did you wrong, or that situation that people caused in your life really was against you, and it hurt you. And in the world's standards, you are due justice. You are due justice. But I want you to hear God's word. Here's what you do with those things. You forgive. Just like I forgive you. You forgive. So if we're going to be a Christian, if we're going to be followers of the one true God, then there's no place in our life for grudges. There's no place in our life for hatred. There's no place in our life for bitterness toward another person who we perceive has done us wrong. There's no room for that anymore because we've been forgiven. And if we've been forgiven, then we are truly supposed to forgive others. That's a high goal. That's a high mark, and that takes practice. Doesn't come easy. I'm not saying, okay, just because this preacher this morning told me this, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. No, when somebody hurts you, it hurts. And the first thing you think of, most often, is not to forgive. It's to lash out or protect or to run away. It's something. To feel bad. But it's something we have to practice. We have to keep trying so that we might create in our life an attitude of forgiveness, a spirit of forgiveness. We know about forgiveness if we've asked God to forgive us of our sins. We know about forgiveness. We know what that is. So we've had a taste of forgiveness. And now we need to give it back. We need to share it back. Because listen, forgiveness... And I'll end with this. Sorry if I've kept you too long. Forgiveness, if we don't give it back, we imprison ourselves. If we don't forgive, it's like we put handcuffs on ourselves and we shackle our lives. Because if I don't forgive that person, that person is still controlling me. That hurt that was a that came upon me, if I don't let it go, if I don't forgive it, I mean truly forgive it, I don't mean just let it go and I'm not going to think about it and I'm going to be bigger and stronger than it because that's not, that doesn't work. If somebody did you wrong and caused you a pain and a hurt and you try to deal with it by suppressing it or putting it out of your mind, not thinking about it, well, well maybe you're pretty good at that. But I'll tell you what, if I scratched you just a little bit, I could bring that right up. And the devil sure can do that. The devil can sure do that to defeat you once again. 
The only freedom that you have is the freedom that we got from God to be free from our sins. And that is to let it go. Truly forgive. And with all the other things that we heard from the scripture. Now I'm going to think about that person differently. They're not going to control me anymore because I love them. They may hate me, but I love them. You know that drives the devil crazy, right? You know that makes him crazy. When somebody's hating on us and we're loving them, that just, I love when we go into the devil's uh, playground, we kick over his tricycle. Just kick, because <laughs> that, just, that just gives him a black eye. When we, for hate, return love. So, if think about our lives, take an inventory, are there any grudges? Is there any bitterness that we hold towards someone? If it's still there and we haven't forgiven it, then it's controlling us. It's controlling us. It's in charge, not us. And the only way to be free of it is to forgive. Like Jesus forgave us. Jesus says, the board says, I will forgive your sins and I will remember them no more. It's like they never existed. And that's how we forgive that person who we're holding a grudge against or being bitter against. We let it go and we forget it ever happened and we love them instead. That's the message. So let's bow our heads. And let's not look around for just a second. I don't know about you, but I could probably raise my hand right now. Why don't we do that? If, if, we, if we're harboring, if we have some places in our lives where we might be bitter towards somebody about something that's happened, or maybe we are actually holding a grudge, I want to pray for you. You just show me your hand. Okay. We're, you're not alone in this room. If you raise your hand, you're not alone in this room. And I'm with you. Then we're going to pray, okay? You can put your hands back down. Now this, is, this may be the start of it. This may, not be, this may not be the end of it for you or me. But we can start today. We can start moving toward the right thing to be forgiving and to do it like the Bible says. So, let's pray about that. Jesus, who came to teach us the ultimate lesson of forgiveness, we need to come to you right now, Lord, many of us. We need to come to you right now and ask you to forgive us. Because we've been holding a grudge. We've been locked up with bitterness. And we've had bad feelings toward people in our past. And maybe people in our present. And that's not how you want us to be. We're to be like you as best we can. 
And in doing that, we're supposed to forgive. Like you forgave us. So Lord, this morning, for those of us who raised our hands, help us. First of all, to to come to you and say, forgive me. Forgive me for being bitter. Forgive me. I was wronged. I, I know it, Lord. I was wrong, but I give up my right to justice. I give up my right for revenge. I don't want to repay evil for evil. That's not what your heart is about. And I want to be what your heart is about. I want to love like you love. I want to forgive like you forgive. And I don't want to be controlled, Lord, anymore. By bitterness, by anger, by hatred by hurt. I don't want these forces controlling me anymore. I want you, Lord. I want you who are full of love and life, of health and well-being, of a clear mind. I I want to be like you. So Lord, help me shake off those resentments. Help me shake off those grudges. So that I can begin to live in a spirit of forgiveness. Thank you for Joseph, Lord. You picked the right man. He was a great man. A righteous man. A man who lived like we should live. And certainly we should live like his little boy Jesus. Who grew into a man and did everything right. And died on the cross for our sins that we might be forgiven. That we might have a chance to live in the spirit of forgiveness. Help us this Christmas season to not go through another time. Another Christmas. Carrying around our bags of grudges and hatred and hurt. Help us let them go to you first. And then help us Lord to do our part and being a forgiving person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you.